Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message and God bless. Birthdays are a big deal. Uh, we celebrate birthdays. Now, as you get older, uh, we have milestones in our birthdays, but if you're like me, you're, you kind of stop uh, wishing they'd stop coming so frequently, you know what I'm saying? Uh, as you, you know, I'm approaching 50 now this year, I'll, I'll be 55, uh, or 45, sorry, right? 45? Yeah, 40, I feel like 55. Uh, this year I'll be 45, so I'm getting closer to that you know, 50-year uh, milestone, uh, and so as you get older, birthdays, uh, you know, you, you, they, they have to come, and they got to be there, but, you know, you're not necessarily all that excited about them, but of course, when you're younger, you, you're excited about your birthday. I remember, uh, you know, to me, growing up as a kid, even though, you know, you had those special birthdays, your one-year birthday, and then your 10-year birthday, and that birthday at 13, when you become a officially a teenager, and then your 16th birthday, and then your 18th birthday, and then your 21st birthday, and you know, uh, just all these different milestones, and we're all excited, we celebrate, I remember looking forward to each one of those milestones as a child, and, and uh, I, of course I don't remember looking forward to being one as a child, but I do re- remember looking forward to my 10th birthday, and my, uh, my uh, when I became a teenager, my 13th birthday, and uh, my 16th birthday and those things and being excited uh, about them my 18th birthday when I'd finally be an adult you know at least in, in the, the the number of the years that I had been alive I would be an adult right uh, so uh, we birthdays are important uh, but over time as you get older we don't celebrate birthdays as much uh, we kind of uh, you know become desensitized to the excitement right um, you know, sometimes, like, if I remember, I'll put in leave to take my birthday off, and then sometimes I don't. It just depends on if I remember to do it or not, right? It's just not that important, you know? As you get older, you're just not thinking about it uh, and, uh, as much. And uh, today, as we talk about birthdays, I want to talk about a birthday that we don't talk about very often in the church, at least not from this perspective. Uh, we do like to talk about Pentecost. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, we like to talk about Pentecost, and we like to talk about the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And as Pentecostals, we love to talk about speaking in tongues and, you know, all of the things that are associated with uh, with the Holy Spirit and His power and His presence and the gifts that He uh, gives to each of us to be used. But uh, the, the key thing about Pentecost is what it really was, was the birth of the church. Mm-hmm. Pentecost Sunday is the church's birthday. We are in the last age. We're in the church age. The next age after this is the time of the great tribulation, the tribulation period. Right now, though, we're in the age of the church. It started on this day, the day of Pentecost, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, is when the church was born. The church was born. And so today, we celebrate the birthday of the church by reflecting on what it is the church is called to do and what it means the purpose that we have 
as the body of Christ. And when I say the church, I'm talking, of course, about the church and the body of Christ, not, not any specific church, not any specific denomination, but the church, the bride of Christ, those who belong to him. And so in the book of Acts, as we look at chapter 1, and we're going to uh, read it here in just a moment. Uh, the disciples and, and others have gathered together, and Jesus is giving them some instructions just before he's going to ascend. So that's the, the background that we're going to set here in chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, as Luke starts this, uh, this uh, book of Acts. He says, I wrote the first there to Theopolis about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given instructions uh, through uh, the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered, uh, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Verse 4. And while uh, he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, You have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. And so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? And he said to them, it is not you, enough for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will uh, be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. After Jesus... Um, is raised from the dead. He talks to his disciples. He talks to those who are gathered, who have now seen him alive. Jesus is going to give them some final instructions. And, uh, you know, they are ready for the kingdom to come because you can see that as he's talking to them, uh, the, the, the uh, uh, people say, hey, are you about to set up your kingdom? Right? Are you going to restore and set yourself up as king? And and uh, he says, look, it's not uh, for you to know the times or uh, what the Father has in his hand as it relates to setting up the kingdom. But this is what you do need to know. You will receive power from God. You will receive power. Now, we like to get excited about that word power uh, in, uh, in Pentecostal churches. It, it comes, the word is actually dunamis in the Greek. It comes uh, we get our word uh, dynamite from that word that's uh, translated power there uh, in, in your Bibles. Uh, it's dunamis. It's where we get our word for dynamite. And, and dynamite is an explosion, right? Dynamite is used uh, to clear out uh, uh, when they're excavating, when they were digging tunnels to uh, put uh, for the rail system to go through, when they're uh, doing strip mining, when they need to move a whole lot of mass and a short amount of time, and they don't want to use, you know, uh, uh, tools to do it, uh, they use dynamite to uh, move lots of earth. There are lots of material at a given time. And so that's what, uh, uh, you know, is being spoken of here by Christ as he said, you're going to receive this power, this dynamite, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And many times we like to stop at that part, but what we can see is, is that he also says that we're going to be his witnesses. Mm -hmm. That we're going to be his witnesses. 
And we're going to talk more about that in just a moment. But the main teaching here today is we're going to first talk about the creation of the church. Because if we look here, we see that in chapter 1, uh, Jesus says that this power is coming. And it's coming for a specific purpose, uh, for a, a specific reason, so the people can accomplish something uh, for, for God. Uh, and one of the things that we see in chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit does come is that it demonstrates for you and I that the church was created and formed by God. Uh, man did not decide to create the church. You can see in Acts chapter 1, parts that we did not uh, read today, that, uh, you know, before the Holy Spirit came, they came together and Judas wasn't with them. And uh, God led uh, Peter to go ahead and replace Judas with uh, Matthias. And, and uh, they're setting things up. But the church isn't born yet, right? This is just the same group of ragtag guys who... You know, they haven't been given any direction other than to wait in Jerusalem. They and others, right, about 120 total have been told to wait in Jerusalem for something to happen, that they're going to receive power, but they have no idea how that's going to manifest itself. They don't know what it means. All they know is that God has told them, Jesus has told them to tarry in Jerusalem. But So God, though... It is easy to see in chapter 2 in those first four verses, which we're going to read together here in a moment, that the creation of the church was on God and God alone. That God formed the church. Man did not form the church. It wasn't his idea. It wasn't Peter's idea to form the church. It wasn't any of the disciples idea to form the church. Why? Because the church as God has purposed it is greater than any one man could possibly come up Amen. with. Amen. The church as God has, uh, has given it its uh, uh, vision, has given it its mission, is greater than any one person could possibly have come up with. Amen. The way that God organized it, designed it, the way that it came into being had to be from God. Amen. Chapter 2 verse 1 says, And when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house uh, where they were standing. And they saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. And then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So we can see in those first four verses that now what Jesus had told them to wait for and tarry for in chapter 1 is now being fulfilled as Luke uh, talks about it in chapter 2. This power that they were told to wait for has now arrived and it was obviously an indwelling power for these tongues of fire set upon them and when they did something miraculous happened they began to speak in other tongues. We'll look more uh, about that uh, in a moment. But the key takeaway here is that there was a supernatural event initiated by God that started the church. Amen. A supernatural event that was uh, God was the catalyst for that started and formed 
the church. And we know that if we look at the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 18, when God is there, Jesus is talking to Peter and he says, On this rock I shall build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So Jesus was revealing that there was a plan greater than just the 12 disciples and a plan greater than just the nation of Israel. There was a plan greater than what any one person or small group of people could come up with that God already had in mind this idea of the church well before the Holy Spirit came, was poured out on the day of the Pentecost. It wasn't something that the apostles were, uh, the disciples were mapping out or that they were planning. They simply were waiting. Amen. And that's when suddenly, without warning, right. without expectation, or without any kind of uh, notification, the Holy Spirit entered the room Amen. and fell upon them. They Blowing, the CSB says, I believe, violent wind came from heaven. They were just praying, seeking God. And suddenly, out of nowhere, the Holy Spirit came. They had no idea what they were looking for, no idea what to expect, and it was a God thing. God started the church, God created the church, God brought the church into being, and it is His church, and it does not belong to any one person or denomination. Amen. It is God's church. Uh, we have many denominations present in our world today, thousands most likely of different denominations. We ourselves say that we're non-denominational, which kind of in and of itself is a sect or a denomination, a denomination being folks that, uh, you know, are separated and have a perhaps a different uh, a statement of faith or a different understanding or uh, of scripture or have different goals, right? They have different uh, vision for what it is that a particular uh, a, a group of people within the church should be doing and so they break out into these denominations but it should be known that denominations were not made by God they were right. made by man yes, denominations were man's idea not God's idea and we learn about denominations in the book of 1st Corinthians where Paul says uh, to the Corinthian church you got people that are following Apollos you got people that are following calling after Peter and you got people calling after me right you've got in that first Corinthian church, they were separating themselves based on teaching and based on leaders. Uh, some wanted to follow Apollos, who was a leader in that church. Some still were saying they wanted to follow after Peter and that Peter was the one to listen to. And then there were others who are loyal to Paul. And that's kind of where you look at denominations starting based on, you know, following after a person that they like or a particular teaching that they like or the charisma of somebody. But denominations are not from God. They are from man. They were invented by man. We should remember as we look at these denominations and we look at our own hearts and we look at what we believe the Bible says and what, how we interpret it according to our own prejudices. 
that the book of Proverbs chapter 19 tells us that uh, we have all of our plans in our minds and all of our things that we want to do, but it is the purposes of God that prevail. Yes. It is his purposes that will be accomplished. So you and I can come up with our plans on how we're going to do things and help God out and, you know, help God get uh, his, his, the job done. Uh, but the bottom line is it's all God's plan. It's his purposes that come to fruition. And as the body of Christ, as the church, we are to join with him, not try to lead him. Right, man. Amen. Right? And so uh, if any person begins to think that they are uh, somehow the leader of a denomination or the de facto representation for the body of Christ or the church, they're wrong. That's why the head of the church is Jesus Christ and not a man. Right. Amen. That's why there wasn't just one apostle. There were multiple apostles. Right. Right. There were, and it wasn't just the apostles that had the Holy Spirit poured out. It wasn't just those disciples that had the Holy Spirit poured out on them on the day of Pentecost. It was everybody that was in the room. Amen. Why? Because it is meant for everybody, not just a select group of people. Right. The power of the Holy Spirit and his uh, baptism is meant for everybody. Right. Which means the purpose of the church falls on all of us. So what is the mission of the church? Well, the mission of the church is to communicate God's love to the lost. Yes. Amen. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus, that Christ, uh, we were separated from God, that we had no hope, that we uh, were lost in our sins and our rebelliousness, and we were miserable and angry and lost and purposeless and didn't have peace and didn't have comfort and didn't have joy. And then we met Jesus, and Jesus uh, uh, set us free, and he uh, saved us to the uttermost, and now we suddenly have purpose and we have peace and joy. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ, the love of God, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who should ever believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ, his love, and that is why the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. It wasn't for my benefit or edification. It was for the spreading of the gospel, the yes. good news of Jesus Christ. It was the dynamite necessary to move the hearts of man in the direction that God had for them to move, which is to form the church. Yes, amen. More than what any one person, you've seen that movie Shawshank Redemption, where he takes all those years and he takes his little, uh, you know, stone uh, uh, tools and he's like finally digs through the wall and it takes him years and every little bit of sand he, you know, is taken out with a uh, little bit of sand at a time so he's not noticed that he's digging this escape uh, hole so that he can escape. And it took him decades to uh, finish uh, that hole. Uh, this, you know, one person could not do in that amount of time what God had planned to do. So he dropped down this dynamite power to get people moving, to get everything started in the right direction so that the church would be galvanized and formed. Mm -hmm. If you look at the book of Acts chapter 2, 
uh, verses uh, 5 uh, through um, 15, it says, And now uh, there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, and a, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Let's stop here for a second. When the Holy Spirit came, apparently that wind was so loud that it wasn't just heard or experienced by the 120 people in the upper room. The sound was so loud that everyone in the city heard it. And they came out to see what the sound was. Right? Uh, they say that when a tornado is coming, it sounds like a freight train. Uh, and I, I can remember uh, hearing, you know, if you can hear great winds, you, you know, you ever see them, even if it's not a, a tornado specifically, the, when you get large winds happening, it makes a roaring sound that can be heard all over the place. Uh, and so uh, this, this sudden, you know, rushing wind that was experienced, this volume of sound that came with it was so loud that the people around them in Jerusalem heard it and they came out to see what was going on. And when they came out, they heard uh, them speaking in his own language. And they were astounded and amazed, saying, look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear of them in our own native language? The Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia and Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phaedra and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans, Cretans, and Arabs, uh, we hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. And they were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But some sneered and said they were drunk on new wine. And then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and proclaimed to them, Fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose since it is only nine in the morning. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. When you look at the day of Pentecost and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon the people, the first gift that was evident to everyone was speaking in tongues. But it was not speaking in tongues the way it is practiced many times in churches today, Pentecostal churches, specifically charismatic churches. The, when the Holy Spirit uh, came that day and they all spoke in tongues, what it meant was is that everyone heard them in their own language. So whatever they were saying, whether it was a heavenly language, whatever language that they were speaking, all of those around them, all the different from all the different regions and all the different dialects and all of those different languages, they heard them all in their own language and in their own dialect. A miracle of God. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? It tells us that the day of Pentecost was about communicating the gospel as the very first manifestation gift given by God was tongues. But it was tongues to reach and communicate the gospel to those who could not otherwise understand what was happening or being said. Right. That's what that manifestation gift was used for, that communication to make sure that as the church 
was being formed, everyone could understand each other without any question. I had a, a co-worker, and he was a Mormon. And we were talking one day, and he told me that he believed in the uh, gifts of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit and those manifestation gifts and uh, that they believed in, in speaking in tongues and the interpretation of tongues. And I said, well, you know, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, we've had missionaries come in, Mormon missionaries uh, uh, come in. And he said, uh, when uh, they've come, they've sp spoken other languages, Spanish or French or whatever the case may be. And he said, and I could just feel like I could understand them. I said, well, could you understand them? No, but I got their point based on their way their emotions were and the way that they were talking. I knew their point. That's not the manifestation of speaking in tongues because that is simply uh, guessing based on how someone looks and how loud they're talking or the inflection on their voice, what they might mean. When the Holy Spirit came and tongues was being used, God made sure that every person heard them in their own specific dialect. Uh, if you speak Spanish, there are multiple different dialects in Spanish. Even in the United States, even though it's not nearly as great in some other languages within the, the English language in the United States, there are differences in dialect and words that are used. Some people say pop. Other people say Coke. Other people say soda. Right? Uh, there, there are different dialects. There are different things that are said in different parts of the country. What's interesting is, think about it this way, uh, it would be like you hearing somebody speaking, and you're from the north, and you're from the central, and you're from the south, and they're saying one word, but what you're hearing is pop, soda, Coke. But they're not saying pop, soda, or Coke. Really, right? They're preaching the message. They're talking. They're declaring the good news of Christ. And they're hearing them in their own dialect so that they can understand without question what was happening. Right. So there could be no misunderstanding. There would be no miscommunication. They could fully hear and understand. Why? Because this moment was critical to the forming of the church because God was doing something new. He was starting the church age. And it could not be based on hearsay. It had to be based on the unadulterated message of Christ. And everyone needed to be able to understand it and its purity, its simplicity, and understand every aspect of it. There could be nothing left up to interpretation. And so they heard them in every single dialect. And that's because the Holy Spirit is poured out upon man for us to communicate the gospel of Christ, the good news of Christ. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, as I said earlier, it says not only that we would have this dynamite <coughs> power that would be poured out, but it also says that, that they would be God's or Jesus' witnesses. Now that word witness is actually where we get the English word martyr. That the Greek word that's translated witness there is where we get the English word martyr. Martyr is not a positive word. Martyr is someone who dies for what they believe. Right. Dies for their worldview. Dies for their stance. Dies 
for something that they are sharing that is contrary to what the world or someone else believes. And so therefore, they're punished for it. That's a martyr. So uh, uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is promising the power, but the power is being promised so they can be the witnesses that carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to this world, even though the world was going to reject it. Right. But again, it's all about communication, sharing the gospel. But sometimes we get so caught up, so caught up in the power that we miss or forget the purpose. Yes. The, gospel, the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not just for you and I to feel good. It's not a tingly feeling down the back of your neck. It's not some tears that you cry. It's not something that charismatics and people have baited, falling out on the floor and rolling around. That's not the purpose. The purpose is about edifying the body and sharing the truth of God's word to a lost and a dying world. But we're selfish and self-centered and we want it to be all about us. Always seeking something for ourselves, but not sharing with somebody else. We come to church looking for a word for ourselves, but when's the last time we took the word to somebody outside? Wow. Yeah. Oh boy, I hope I get something out of the sermon today. Hope the pastor studied up. Oh boy, I hope that when I pray on the altar today, he'll say something encouraging to me. I'm guilty. I've been guilty. You ever left disappointed from a church service because you came and was hoping the pastor would talk to you that day? Or God would speak to you through him that day, either in the altar call or through the service, and you left all disappointed, yet we go out into the world and don't share God's word with nobody else? We've become selfish in the church and forgotten what the church was born for. The church was born for communicating the gospel of Christ. And the manifestation gifts are for that purpose to share the gospel of Christ and to confirm the truth of that word. That's what it's all about. <coughs> to be witnesses, to be willing to die for our faith. Yes. Right? You and I can pretty much share the gospel if we so desire in any place at any time and the worst case we're going to get is maybe some people making fun of us or giving us a hard time on Facebook or telling us to be quiet uh, right uh, but that that's not what they faced in an early church and that's not what they're facing in China and in the Middle East today uh, what they're facing is they're facing the fact that they can have their lives destroyed by simply sharing the truth of God's word by possessing a Bible by going to a, a gathering of believers that's not sanctioned by the government and the doctrine controlled by the government. That's how it is in China. It has to be approved. And if you're outside of what the government has approved, you're in prison, beaten, and treated terribly. But you're, yet they're willing to go and share and be witnesses. And yet here in the church, we come every Sunday, and then we leave the four walls, and we think we've done something special because we posted John 3.16 on Instagram. <laughs> no consequences right you see ever see those things floating around on Facebook that says if you love Jesus you'll share X Y and Z be brave you know blah 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 oh yeah that's brave share to your friends and only your friends see it who all most likely are like minded just like you are and then they all like it 
Oh, so brave. Life, 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 life. So brave. I do it. You do it. We all do it. And we think we've taken a great, mighty stand. No, a great, mighty stand comes when there are consequences for standing up for God. Now, there's coming a day when there will be consequences. And sadly to say, the Western church will probably be in big trouble, which is why in the last days, there'll be a great falling away. Because the minute the temperature is turned up, those who have been sharing their Facebook posts, but not actually taking the gospel of Christ out, they're going to turn away. Because they're going to have to face a fire. We are going to have to face a fire that we have not had to face. We don't know what it's like to go to church underground and hope that nobody knows where you're at. It's easy for you and I to say that when the day comes, we'll still share, we'll still preach, we'll still do uh, when, it, when we don't do it right now. We have a responsibility as the church to share the gospel, the good news of Christ. And if we don't do it now when it's easy, will we do it when it's hard. Wow. Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20 I'm sure that you are all familiar with it if you've been in church uh, any amount of time but I'm going to read it here for you. It's the, known as the Great Commission. This is the purpose that Jesus gave to his disciples and to us. The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountains where Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. And Jesus came there and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. That is the purpose of the church. To carry the gospel. That's why it's called the Great Commission. Jesus said he commissioned his, those who love him and those who would call upon his name to share his word. The next thing is the church is supposed to establish a fellowship of believers. If you look down to now verses 37 uh, through 37 of chapter 2, it says, And when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, uh, what should we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and for all uh, who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized that day, and about 3,000 people were added to them. So the church was created by God. The purpose given to the church by God was to share the gospel of Christ. And the goal of the church is to create a fellowship of believers. 
when they heard the gospel, they repented. Over 3,000 people were added to the church today, that day. And the Bible says that they were devoted to one another. Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, to the apostles' teaching, to prayer and communion. They were devoted to one another, meeting with another, uh, one another, coming together, praying with one another, uh, uh, sharing the gospel with one another, eating, communing with one another, and studying what the apostles had to say, listening to them teach. It was a fellowship, and it is within the fellowship that we get the strength and we get the purpose and the unction to minister to others. It's in the fellowship that you and I have strength. It's meant, you know, we're the kingdom of God. You belong to the kingdom of God. I belong to the kingdom of God. We're that, in that kingdom because of the church. We have a fellowship one with another. And we are called as the church. We're called to be a different people. We're called to be a different culture. We're not to be like the world around us. Amen. We're supposed to be different. If the world can look at you and I and not see the difference between us and anyone else in the world, there is a problem. Right, man. We're to be in an oasis in the midst of a desert, a shade tree on a summer day, a cup of cool water when one is thirsty, a place to come and know that they, we won't be rejected, that we'll be accepted and loved. We're brothers and sisters. We're the family of God. And we're empowered by God for eternal life together. The world changed after Pentecost because of the church's influence on the world. And it must be the same today. The day of Pentecost, I, I know in years past, I, I've not really preached messages on Pentecost Sunday, specifically about Pentecost, because I struggle. Because so often the focus is on the manifestation gifts and on the power, but not the purpose. Right. The power and not the purpose. But we are to share the gospel. We're supposed to be a fellowship. I love that phrase, an oasis in the desert. Right. The world is the desert. Yeah. Nothing but sand and hurt and dry heat and pain and suffering. But the church is supposed to be an oasis. Even in those countries where they're suffering greatly, why do they take the chance and still meet together? Why not just stay in your home with your family? Why come together? Because it's an oasis in the desert. Because when you're with other brothers and sisters in Christ, it's an oasis in a world that's so overwhelming, mm -hmm. that's so frustrating, that hurts so much, that desert of a world which destroys and decays. Mm -hmm. But my goodness, when we come together, we're that oasis of giving peace and joy and comfort and encouragement and strength. So that we can go back out in that desert again and take some of the oasis with us. Mm -hmm. Fill up that canteen bottle 
trudge back out there and give somebody else a drink and then let them know where the oasis is where they can get a drink for themselves. place where we can tell those who have rejected, been rejected by the world that even though they've been rejected by the world, they have been chosen by God. And that God loves them and cares for them. And so today as we celebrate the birth, the birth of the church at Pentecost, let us remember that that message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is for all of us. For you, for me, for the most vile person, to the Mother Teresa, to the best person, the gospel's for all of us because we are all equal before Christ. The great equalizer, no matter what your social status is, no matter how much money you have, no matter what our education is, no matter what size house we live in, whether we live on the street or not, the gospel equalizes us all mm -hmm. to where the millionaire and the homeless are together on the same plane. Wow. Right. The doctorate and the high school dropout, they're still on the same plane. Amen. The one who was raised in church their whole life and the one who just heard the message, Amen. still equal. There are no tears in the kingdom of heaven, but we're all equal because we all need Christ. We're all lost without him. And the gospel is for everyone. Amen. Let us stand. Father God, let your word be a seed planted in our hearts today that we would be challenged, that I would be challenged to share your word. Lord, not just on Sundays from behind the pulpit and not just messages on social media, but God, to really take your word to a lost and a dying world, to act to be the feet, to be the hands, to be your voice. To not just take the easy way, God, but to take the hard way where we might be rejected, where we might be teased, where we might be attacked by a world that's rejected you. But God, let us have the courage and the strength, burden our hearts to share your truth and to share your love with this lost and dying world to remember what you did for us and what to give that to others. Yes. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.